Welcome to the On The Edge Podcast with your host, Scott Groves. Hey, what's up, boys and girls? It's Scott Groves with the On The Edge Podcast. Today, we are talking to Fred Joyle, who's actually a new friend of mine. And uh, he just released, we're coming to you like uh, end of 2021, December to be exact. And he just released a new book called Super Bold, From Underconfident to Charismatic. And uh, it's funny, because as I started talking with Fred, uh, we were just talking offline a little bit. The, the, the last word that I would use to describe him is underconfident. And apparently that was a work in progress. He was not always this charismatic. Um, and what I learned quickly is that Fred founded 1-800-DENTIST, which is crazy because I remember those commercials from my youth um, very vividly of, uh, of advertising 1-800-DENTIST, which I didn't realize that dentists need to be advertised, grew that to a billion dollar business, and now is kind of moving from just showing people how to market and do great things in dentistry to how to really market themselves uh, just through life, through anybody. So, Fred, welcome, welcome to the show, man. What did I miss on the Reader's Digest introduction of Fred? Uh, that's great. I'm, I'm excited to be talking to people. I wanted to clear up the billion dollar thing. Generated a billion dollars of revenue over the 30 years I I ran the business. So I, it wasn't doing a billion dollars. It wasn't worth. Didn't have a market cap of a billion dollars. If I, if only. If right? only, yeah. But, we we wouldn't but, be talking. But, You'd be sitting on your own private island. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, and so Super Bold is the book. Some people go Super Bowl. What? It's about the Super Bowl. I don't get it. They no, it's B O L D at the end, and it's it's how to cultivate the superpower of boldness. Because I, as as I mentioned, I when we're talking offline, I I was an incredibly painfully shy person growing up, and it really i i was stacking up the regrets and the missed opportunities and i gradually very gradually figured out how to get past it and eventually started my own business that had great opportunities great fun taking all sorts of exciting risks along the way and and had a very satisfying life because i learned how to be bold and i figured out a way to teach people how to do that in a much more compressed way. And that's what's in the book. The book is really everything I wish I knew at 20 or 30 even. And, and why, you, you know, I like to kind of go to the why underneath the book. Why do shy people miss out on opportunities, right? Because I think some people equate the term bold or charismatic or gre gregarious, you know, maybe with being a little cocky and maybe something that somebody you don't want to talk to. And then, you know, when I think of shy, my head immediately goes to like, the engineer type that might build some app and cash out millions of dollars one day. So why in your experience do shy people miss out on some of those opportunities or why does that even happen to begin with? They, they miss out because they hesitate. They, that hesitation is the opportunity killer. There are, there are moments when you need to step up or speak up or be comfortable presenting your ideas. If you're an entrepreneur, you got to be really good in front of people. You got to be really good at connecting with people. If you want to raise money, if you want to do sales, if you're a salesperson, you got to be confident enough to ask for the order. And does the difference between a person who's having conversations and thinks they sell really well and a really successful salesperson is a salesperson gets the money at the end, gets the deal, gets the order. And it takes boldness, it takes confidence to do that. It takes boldness to let the rejection bounce off you. So I'm not talking about 
show-offs and cocky people and stuff like that. I'm I'm talking about you can walk up to anybody and introduce yourself and have a normal conversation. You can chase your dreams because you've accurately calculated the risk instead of the self-talk, the, what I call the barrier beliefs that are stopping you from stepping up and stepping out and trying new things. And you're, and you're hiding in your comfort zone. That's, you know, a lot of engineers are doing that. Their comfort zone is engineering, but their dating life is horrible, right? <laughs> because they don't, they don't have that. They don't have any confidence with that. So it's, this is about helping you become uh, as bold as you want to be while being you. I'm actually a bold introvert, right? Because I like being alone. I like doing stuff by myself. I, my reflex still is, is to be introverted, but I just bounce right out of it. I just don't acknowledge that inhibition because shyness is not like a genetic thing. It's a behavior, right? You're not shy all the time. You're shy in certain situations. You're not shy with your family at Thanksgiving. You're shy when you're meeting new people or when you're presenting a new idea or when it's something really important and suddenly your confidence plummets. My goal is to make people as bold as they want to be when they need it most and when they want to have, and we need people who are willing to take big risks and make the world a better place because we got we got big problems we got climate change problems we got homeless problems we got you know economic problems we got pandemic problems. we got all sorts of stuff we got islands of plastic floating in the ocean you know yeah. i want people who are going to step up and solve this stuff and i want to give them the the that boldness muscle as strong as they need it to be to execute those things you know, you just use a great word there, muscle, because I, I find with a lot of the self-help genre, it's a little too hippy-dippy, you know, self-actualization. Like, like I'm a strategy person. I'm a give me the checklist, give me the plan. And I know you came up with this method that you nicknamed the pride method, uh, and it's an acronym. And, and I like that about you and your book where it's like, no, 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 this isn't just some nebulous, you know, hippy-dippy read the book and you're going to find your inner peace and inner strength and inner boldness. It's like, no, no, there's actually a systematic process to becoming more bold and more charismatic and really taking the bull by the horns for, for what it might be. So can you explain a little bit about that system and, and how you kind of founded this and, and why it was important to have actually a prescripted methodology to fix the problem versus like just reading a bunch of anecdotal stories and assuming that's going to, going to solve everybody's shyness. Yeah. Now, certainly in the book, I talk about the mindset you need and you're going to want to change because and then the book is going to help you do it. The book is has five levels of exercises that gradually move you up and up and up in greater and greater boldness and expand your comfort zone further and further out. And it, the pride method is an acronym for the steps you use to do the exercises and also to if you need if you need to summon your boldness in a certain situation you're going to need some or all of these steps and the first so the p stands I'll, I'll i'll spell out the five words so it's preparation relaxing insights dosage and everyday action and so preparation prepare what you're going to say if you if you got a presentation to do, you're going to prepare everything that you're going to say. And, and the power of it 
is when you're prepared, then you can be spontaneous. If you're not prepared, your spontaneity sucks most of the time, and especially if you're anxious in that situation. So it's about how, how am I going to prepare for this? If I'm asking for a raise, if I'm, if I'm going to talk to a customer and, and ask for the order, if I'm, if, how do I get there? What's the verbiage that I'm comfortable with? So if I want to freestyle it, I can, but I can always swing back to that particular phrase that pays or whatever. So I, and I go into a lot more detail on each of the steps, but that's essentially the first step. Second step is relaxing to know how to relax yourself because people always do this. They go, why don't you just relax? And you go, <laughs> oh, do, oh, do I look nervous? Oh crap. You know, it's like, and now you're twice as nervous because now you think your nervousness shows. Right, so right. now your anxiety has, has bounced up. Right. So instead, and, but people tell you to relax. They don't tell you how, but it's, pretty easy actually once you understand some basic techniques and i go into more detail but it's basically check your physiology because most when you're not relaxed you're tensed up like you're you got your arms folded tight or your shoulders are up around your neck or you've pretty much stopped breathing which is <laughs> what happened which is and it's and it's all this stuff it's and the root of it is the brain interprets physical danger and psychological danger exactly the same way with exactly the same chemicals. But the psychological danger is all interpretive by the person who's experiencing it, right? Because they go, oh, this is, I'm going to be embarrassed in this situation. I'm going to fail. I'm going to, you know, be humiliated, whatever. People are going to laugh at me. That's rings the danger bell. So the body goes, well, I know what to do. I'll turn on the waterworks. I'll make your forehead wet. I'll make your armpits wet. I'll limit your cognitive powers because we don't need that. We need muscle memory to protect ourselves from the wild animals, right? It's a whole, and when you stop that, suddenly you can relax. The other way, then incorporating breathing into it is really important. It's amazing what three deep breaths will do to relax you. And if, and if you stimulate the vagus nerve, it's even better, which is a nerve that runs from your neck all the way down uh, through your navel inside your body. It's a, and when you vibrate it by going, ha, you hold that, you take a deep breath and let it out really slowly. You do that three times. It's shocking how relaxing it is. I've done it with people all the time. I've done it myself. Like if I'm walking on a stage with 5,000 people and they've had three screw ups with the technology already and they're making me nervous, right? It's like, what is this, what's gonna, what's gonna happen next when I'm on stage and try to change slides or whatever, or the mic is gonna go out or whatever. And, and so I'll, I'll do the Vegas breath and it's Vegas, V-A-G-U-S, not Vegas breath like you have after you've been out all night in Vegas. <laughs> right. right. Um, and it's it it and and when you relax your when you realize you can relax yourself, you relax more. Just like the anxiety, finding out you're realizing you're anxious makes you more anxious. Right. Relaxing yourself says, "Oh, I can relax myself." So you're more relaxed. Now you're you've got you can be fully energized instead of anxious. You can summon now. Now your brain's working, your creativity's working, your tongue's working. All that is happening because you relaxed yourself. 
You know, it's the next step. Of the, it, it, it's so. so funny you're saying this, Fred, because I've got a buddy of mine who's going to come on the show here in a couple of weeks. His name is uh, Maki Coco Bombs Patoya, and he's uh, he's a UFC professional fighter. And I was talking to him about this last camp he was in. He just had a fight, which unfortunately he lost on pay-per-view. It's a bummer, but he's got another fight coming up. And I said, hey, what's the thing that you took out of this camp, right? Because these professional fighters, they're always in shape, but then they'll go through like an eight or 12 week intensive camp leading up to the fight, losing the last couple pounds they got to lose to make weight. And he's like, oh, we've been working all on breathing. And I'm like, really, breathing? Like not punching, not jujitsu. And he's like, no, I already know how to do that shit. I need to learn how to stay calm and and effectively hydrated with breath as I'm in the fight. So he was walking me through this exercise where it's like you take three deep breaths and then you run 10 steps while holding your breath or exhaling. And then you take three deep breaths. And what they're trying to do is simulate a fight where you forget to breathe for 10 seconds while you're physically exerting yourself. And then how can you quickly calm down with that three breath? It's exactly what you're describing with the Vegas breath, where it's like, all right, you take three deep breaths and let it resonate through your chest so that you know if you're in the middle of getting your ass kicked and you regain your composure, you can kind of get back to top physical form in three deep breaths. So it, it's so funny because we were just talking about this the other day where he's like, all right, now do this breathing exercise. Now run 10 steps. Now try to hit the pads for five seconds and you feel your legs give out and whatnot. And he's like, all right, now take these three deep, he didn't call it Vegas breaths, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to explain to him the technique because this is exactly what he was working on at the highest level of combat, um, uh, combat sports. So it's amazing. Yeah, well, and talk about needing oxygen. Right. right. <laughs> you know, you don't want to be slipping into anaerobic while you're getting your ass kicked, right? <laughs> you want you want oxygen in your blood rich, right? Right, right. Um, and so holding your breath is you you maybe want to do that when you're getting punched in the stomach and that's about it. Yeah. But but so, yeah, and, I mean it's incredibly powerful and effective. Uh, the the I in pride is insights, and it's, it's there's some key insights. I go into several in, but the the basic one that shy people don't realize is that most people are not thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. They're thinking about themselves, and secondarily. If they don't know you, they're running a judgment based on the simplest of impressions by your hair, by the way you drive, whatever the heck it is. Right. And it's so why would you give them any stock in that opinion of you? But that's what we all do. People go like, oh, people are going to laugh at me. Whereas a bold person says, what people are these? (laughs) Do you know them? Do they know you? Then why do their opinions matter so much to you? Bold people go like, I have five people whose opinions matter to me a lot. Everybody else, it's one or two, unless I'm trying to communicate effectively with them at that moment. And it's it's a huge insight. The other thing that bold people have figured out, which is amazing, and I watched them do it for years, and I went like, now I get it, is they figured out that 99% of the time, whatever they do, nothing bad happens. Whereas the shy person is great at figuring out all of the bad things that could happen, right? It, and cataloging them. And that's that's where the hesitation comes from. They're overthinking the hell out of it. They're really good at coming up the bat with the bad scenarios, but they're terrible at calculating the odds of them actually happening 
or how bad they actually are. The bold person goes, nothing's bad. If I fail completely, it's just a step up, right? If everybody laughs at me, it just tells me I got to change my approach, right? Or if, if they're stand up and nobody laughs at me, it's like, I got to change my jokes, right. right? But I don't have to be underconfident on stage. I love it when I see a, a stand up comic who's super confident and with B minus jokes and he's killing it, right? And then you'll see somebody else. I've watched guys with A plus plus comedy just die an unholy death because they're so nervous on stage, right? So it's it's that interesting thing. And that's why I talk about charisma. Charisma is feeling so good inside yourself and so confident that you exude something. You that your comfort is is palpable to people. When you're you're comfortable around people, you're comfortable in every situation. The mantra that I have for people I want to be super bold is I belong everywhere. Think about think about how powerful that is. Is no matter what you are, you walk in the room and and you're in Bermuda shorts and, and a Hawaiian shirt, and everybody else is in tuxedos. And you still tell yourself, I belong here. And you know what? You're going to get to talk to everybody. And they're going to go like, where's your tux? And you go like, nah, they lost my luggage. Or I, I forgot the combination of my suitcase. Or whatever the heck it is. And everybody remembers the, the guy in the Hawaiian shirt at the, at the benefit dinner, right? Now, the reason you're there is probably you did lose your luggage. But most people go like, I don't have a tux. I can't go. The bold right. person goes, I guess I got to wear the shorts and the Hawaiian shirt right. and works it. And that's, that's the difference is nothing bad happens unless you decide to label it as bad most of the time. And as a side note, I'm not talking about boldness, like with physical stuff. Like I'm not encouraging base jumping or something like that, <laughs> or like, Oh, that squirrel suit looks like a lot of fun. I think I'm going to try jumping off a cliff with that on, even though you've never skydived, right? You're going to die. Right. It's like, that's suicidal boldness. Right. I'm talking about in, in, in life when it matters in, in really chasing your real dreams. And they, and they may be like, you have to be bold enough to bungee jump or something like that, or skydive something that's, technically safe but um but it's much more about human interaction and career interaction things like that personal stuff even being able to take feedback takes boldness to give feedback takes boldness so the the next step to stay on the pride method d stands for dosage which is remember i talked about the exercises are in five levels it's you wherever you are at, you're controlling the intensity of your bold move of your step into your discomfort zone. You're not making a giant leap into it so that you retreat back inside. You're you're just like you would do with exercise. Remember, I talked about it as a boldness muscle. It's the same thing. If you're trying to get in shape, you don't start bench pressing 300 pounds. Right? You start with the hard weight that you can lift. And it gets you stronger. And those last three reps make all the difference, pushing yourself through those last three reps. You don't crush yourself with 300 pounds. You work your way up gradually. You'll get to 300 pounds. It won't be that weak. But it's the same thing. When you control the dosage and intensity of the experience, that's why the exercises work so well, is they, they start nonverbal. And then gradually work up. And people go like, and, and you get all these victories 
And what you're doing is you're reprogramming your neural pathways to be more confident and more bold. Because that's basically what bold, bold people always had, some of them. And they seem like they're born that way. It's like just nobody turned on the, the underconfident, shy pathways for them. So they just they got constant reinforcement for being bold. And it's and so their brain just defaults to that. That's where you want to get. Because the interesting thing that happens is the more you don't act in a shy way, the more those those neural reactions atrophy. And it, it can happen at any age. It's really kind of fascinating. And the other thing, which is really a life skill, is everyday action. That's the E in pride is if you want to get better at anything, do it every day. Get to it every single day. If you want to exercise, do something physical every day. Do something hard some days and easier some days. But when you do it every day, you see this. I see this with people, particularly who run. It's like if it's pouring rain, they got to run anyway because they're a runner and their brain. They don't decide whether to do it or not. They are just figuring out how they're going to do it that day in whatever conditions there are. I was with a guy, we were, we were in Africa, we were on the top of this crater, it was 10,000 feet, right? He had to run anyway. It's like, buddy, <laughs> there's no oxygen. Where are you going? Right? He says, I'm, I got to run. Um, and it, but it's that, that same thing is when you get to it every day, your brain says, oh, this is who we are. This is how we behave. We're a bold person. We step up. We speak up. We try new stuff. We ignore rejection. We don't fear the harmless. And that becomes who you are. If you're a weekend warrior, anything, you're a dabbler. But you know, when you don't get the stuff every day, all of a sudden, a month goes by and you haven't got to it. And all of a sudden, a year goes by. And the beauty of everyday action is, you know, however little you get to it, it aggregates. If, if you're writing a book and you write one paragraph a day, guess what? At the end of the year, you're going to have a hundred pages of the book. You know, that's how I've written all my books is I get to them every day. And, and it, the other thing is it tricks you into starting. How many, how many workouts have you went? Like, I don't really feel like it, but I'm just yeah. going to, I'm going to bang out some push-ups, and that's it. And let, I'm letting myself off the hook. And then you do them. Next thing you know, you're doing some sit-ups and then you're going to do some curls. You're going to do, it's like, we're, we're, we're human beings. We need to trick ourselves, you know? Yeah. But when you commit to everyday action, that's where the transformation comes. So in the book, it's about, you're going to do some boldness exercise every day before you go to bed. And I recommend starting early because you'll probably do two, three, four, or five of them in the course of the day. And it'll just accelerate the process. I, I've got so many anecdotal stories I'm thinking of right now. Um, you know, there, there's that movie Moneyball with uh, Brad Pitt and uh, yep. know, where, they, where they're the... The uh, A's, there's this classic scene where they're sitting around the table and they're trying to introduce like who should be uh, brought onto the team based on real statistics. And the old school pitching coach is like, nah, no, no, we, we can't, we can't hire that pitching closer. I mean, he dates fat women. He's got no self-confidence. He's not bold. He can't be our closer. And they're like, no, statistically, he's a good pitcher. And he's like, nah, nah, nah. He, he dates fat women. He doesn't have the balls to go up to the cute girl at the bar. Uh, I don't want him on the team. And like that scene sticks out in my mind. So if you're kind of naturally, a, a, let's just let's just take a shy guy, for example. Because uh, my other anecdotal story is you go to President's Club. I work in the mortgage industry. You go to President's Club where there's a bunch of top producing salespeople. And there's a bunch of chubby, below average looking guys like myself with just some 
smoking hot wives. So clearly at some point they were bold enough to go talk to the attractive girl at the bar. So let's say you're a guy who's a little bit more on the shire spectrum. What is one of those daily exercises? And let's say you're starting out really, really shy and you wanna have more charisma and you wanna be a little bit more of the life of the party because you're missing out of opportunities either in your social life or your business life. What's like one of these prescriptive exercises that you're like, hey, this is a, this is a baby step on the road to boldness that I want you to work on every day? So there's a, you can, the first, the real baby step is to just smile at five people a day. Or the real goal is smile at everybody you encounter until somebody doesn't smile back. And then consciously don't take that on because it's got nothing to do with you. You have no idea what headspace that person is in. They could be even shyer than you, or they could be having the worst day of their life. So you do that and you realize, wow, everybody smiled back at me, right? And it's, you know, the key to a lot of this stuff is to have no agenda, like not be concerned about the outcome. A lot of the exercises, you're aiming for failure, like nobody's smiling at you. But the other, a really good technique is you want to talk to a stranger a day. This is what I tell people, like, you're grown up now. Talk to strangers. Forget what your parents told you when you were five, okay? You're not going to get pulled into a white van anymore, uh, I don't think. Um, or still, you got to watch out for the white vans anyway. Still, <laughs> if, they, if they're slowing down next to you when you're walking on the sidewalk, you need to start walking faster. But anyway, that's a side note. That's a different book. But what you want to do is talk to a stranger every day. And, and the easiest way is what I call a throwaway compliment. You look at something about them, ideally not their appearance, particularly a woman, but something women are they, they work pretty hard on what they're wearing. Right. Or their hair or something like that or what they're, you know, a handbag, shoes, all of that stuff. Uh, and and guys are, are similar too. It's like you know, like to a guy I would say, you know, that beard's terrific. You know, it's a you're you it's got some real great style to it. Good for you, man. Uh, and walk away, right? This, you know, it's like uh, I would say, if you're shy, make a point of always going into a coffee shop and either talking to the person in front of you or behind you in line, and just say you know, compliment on that's Wow. That's, you know, that jacket looks amazing on you. I, if you don't mind, tell me where you got it. Cause I, I would love to know. Uh, and, and all of a sudden you realize they, they can smell that you have no agenda. If you deliberately don't, you're not trying to get somebody's phone number or, 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 or start to sell them, you know, you know, real estate or anything like that, or Amway, you know, you're gonna, you're, you're just, it's a total drive-by. It's a throwaway compliment. And you're making somebody feel good about themselves. And you know what? You feel good about yourself because they will say stuff. Like I, I once saw this woman, she head to toe dressed in yellow. And, and you look at it and go like, holy moly, that's, a, that's fairly intense. But it's, and, I, and that's what I do. I pick the thing that either I have a judgment about especially a negative one. And I forced myself to come up with a compliment. So I said to her, I said, like, wow, that's such a bold color, but it's it's really working for you. And she said, oh, thank you for saying that. You know what? I, I, I've been feeling so down lately that I thought if I just wore this, I would I would just start to feel better about myself. So how, how powerful was my uh, throwaway compliment to that woman? 
that so how how good did I feel just doing that? Go like, yeah, feel a little bit better about yourself. This is working for you. Whereas you know, other people online going, What the hell is she wearing yellow for? She looks ridiculous, right. you know? Like, where does that get you to have that negative judgment about somebody? Why are you doing that? You know, uh be, you know, be the voice of upliftment out there. But if that's it's a really simple thing to start doing. And then you just work your way up. You go, now you're going to say, I, I'm, I'm Scott, by the way. Just just wanted to let you know my name. What's your name? And you get their name and you repeat it and remember it. And eventually you're going you're gonna to expand those conversations. And eventually you're going to put yourself in all sorts of situations. Another thing I do that, that I recommend an exercise so you learn that nothing bad happens most of the time. That's what you, you need to reprogram your brain is if you see an employees only sign, go in. Just go. If, if it's unlocked, go in. You know why? Because no one's going to beat you to death on the other side of that door. Nine times out of 10, nobody's going to say anything. Right. Right. Because you you entered. It must be the, the only thing stopping you is the sign. Right. And. You're not damaging anything. You're not going in to, to, to steal all, all the coffee creamers or something like that's in the room. You're just walking in there. And, and I want you to bathe in that experience of like, oh, 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 something bad's going to happen. I'll walk through the door and nothing bad happened. You know, go in the back of a grocery store. Nobody's going to say anything. If they do, they can say, they're going to say, can I help you? Right. They're not going to say, get the hell out of here immediately. And if they do, just get the hell out of there. You weren't supposed to be there anyway. So don't take it on, but all you're building the muscle. This is this is like doing curls, right? This is this is you're just gonna go into the, this place where you have told you you shouldn't go. And then you start to realize how many times you said, Oh, oh, I shouldn't because, right? Bold person doesn't waste any time with that thought process because they know what they want to do. They want to go talk to that girl at the bar. They want to, she wants to meet that the, the speaker after he spoke and have a nice conversation with him and maybe have a private consultation with him or a date or whatever. This is a bold person says, I know what I'm trying to do. I'm not going to figure out how I'm going to stop myself. I'm going to do it, see what happens. And if, it, if I fail, the way to guarantee failure is to not try something, Right. you know? It's like now you're rock solid. You will not achieve it. And and a lot of times people, I tell you, I tell them, your fear is telling you what you want most. Like, oh, I, I, I hate public speaking. I, I, I would never want to do that. It's like, yeah, I think you actually do. Right. You're just afraid you're going to fail at it. So you're so you, you want it so much that to fail at it would be painful. So you don't try. So you guarantee that you never do it. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I rant about this, these barrier beliefs, because I got a million of them myself. And no, it's like, you, I, love I, got, it. I got a voice in my head that won't shut the hell up. I, I, right? I love so it so much. It. I, I, I just, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking about what are some of the highlight experiences in my life? You know, meeting my wife, bold conversation to go interrupt her when another guy was hitting on her because I wanted her phone number. Um, I'm yeah. thinking about in my early 20s, you mentioned the walking into the employees only I was in Vegas at some casino. There was some huge event. It was like an after party for, I don't know, the Grammys or some shit like this. And um, I remember there being a line that said press only. And I'm like, well, they're not going to let me in the line 
to to get into the club on my own because I'm a nobody and there's a bunch of starlets and musicians here. So I just went to the press only line. What ended up happening is because everybody just assumed I was press. I stood next to Robin Leach from Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous and we interviewed everybody as they came through on the red carpet and he just assumed since I was there, like, you know, the the program must have told me to go stand next to Robert Leach and help with interview questions. So I was sitting there with Robin Leach, who I remember watching with my grandmother, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, and I yeah. stood with him for about two hours asking celebrities questions until somebody figured out they were like, uh, excuse me, sir, who the fuck are you? Like, where's your media credentials? I'm like, oh, no, I'm just here. I just, wanted, I just wanted to meet Robin. And they're like, get the hell out of here. But it was, you know, it was two hours. And then when they said, get the hell out of me, out of here, I just walked in with, I don't know, some country music band and ended up getting into the club and having like one of the highlight nights of my lives in my 20s because I was willing yeah. to just walk in the media only line. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it just as you're as you're bringing these things up, I realize how like, so many high points in my life is because either naturally I was bold or something my parents instilled in me allowed me to be bold in some of these moments. Well, you just didn't put that limiting voice. Uh, you didn't acknowledge it and and let that guide your actions. You said, no, I'm going to try it. Despite you, you said all those things. I don't belong here. They're going to kick me out. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to try. That's the difference. Because that's that's the likely outcome. However, I, if I don't try, the guaranteed outcome is nothing's going to happen. So I'm going to try. And if I fail, I failed trying. Right? And But what happens just like this is if you reflect on your life, there were times when you were bold. And I would almost guarantee that something incredible happened or something incredible flowed from it. And sometimes... Your whole life, it goes on a different trajectory. Like you meet the the, the mate of your dreams, right? Uh, and because you stepped up, uh, and you know that's I'm sorry, people are impressed with people who have confidence. Yeah. Uh, that's that's why these guys who all, all these guys that you see are dating supermodels is the supermodel is just a person that 99 of guys are afraid to walk up and talk to. Because yeah. they've told themselves, oh, she's too beautiful to talk to me. Why, and, why, and, um, and, and the short guy goes, I'm short. I got to make up for it. I'm going to talk to everybody. And I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to start with the best looking girl here. I'm going to talk to her. And he's, he just says, you know, had to be bold, you know, because people have judgments about me and my height. I could take on that judgment or I can run with it Yeah, and, and create a bold life. Why is this the right time for you to be writing this book? Like, uh, you know, are, are you retired from business and you're just trying to give back? Or is this the new platform for you to have a coaching program for people that want to be more bold? Like, like why this book now when, you know, you've been an expert in the dentistry marketing field for several decades? I, in, in large part is because when you get to a certain point of success in your career, what becomes really paramount in your life is what's your contribution? How much impact can you have on people? And, and I saw the impact that boldness was having in my life and many other people's life around me and, and people that I've met. I've met really successful people, you know, billionaires, famous actors, famous athletes. Um, and, you know, to understand how they got there with, with a series of bold steps. And I had done 
a lecture on on boldness being a superpower to some high school students and it really resonated with them and they were like yeah but 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 how how do i do it and i thought i got to break down how i did it and so i i worked years on really shaping the book and then covid hit and it allowed me to really finish it you know and and get an editor and really compress it down to a solid message and then i just had a lot of fun coming up with the exercises because it was like what you know by the time you're at level 5 you're doing some crazy stuff you know they they you're going to be expecting people to throw a net over you at a certain point but you're going to at that point you're going to go i already know nothing bad's going to happen i'm aiming for people to think i'm weird or laugh at me or whatever you know one of them is you know you're going to you're going to put on headphones you're going to stand outside a dunkin donuts or a starbucks and you're and you're going to sing and dance to what you're listening to sing badly dance badly you know what the, the, a neutron bomb doesn't come and land on you nothing happens people will walk around you but you're expecting them to you're being bizarre but it means nothing it is there is no harm unless you ascribe harm to it and once you do it you go like that was and somebody's going to dance with you right and they're like what are you listening to right and you, and you go like here take one of the headphones that could happen right and then you're going to go like wow for every 100 people one person thought it was fun you know so but back to why i'm doing it is because i wish i knew this stuff way younger and i see people at, at, at you know in career changes so it's not just young people I, you know i i a uh, guy i went to high school with retired football coach love doing it reads my book and he writes to me he goes why the hell am i retired i i love nothing more than coaching i'm going to figure out a way to get back into coaching they told me i was supposed to retire so i did right it was like everybody said you know it's your retirement it's like he says doesn't mean i can't coach i want to coach that's and so he's back to an exciting satisfying life instead of hanging up his spurs whole other end of the spectrum a friend of mine's son uh attempted suicide and she said you know i've got him in a, a center where they're where they're helping him would you send him a signed copy of the book cuz i i i knew the kid and he's just a lovely kid he's just you know like many high school boys he's just very tied to his emotions and this girl it, it was over a girl right he just was wrecked by that and he started reading my book and he just came back and he went like i, I see life differently like that there's opportunity she's not the only girl in the world i could probably meet somebody better i i don't have to take this on especially enough to kill myself right yeah. that's that's taken on rejection right? right and how many people do that how many you know teen suicides going up because they take on bullying or rejection or her emotional hurt i want them to know that that's all part of the game right and and this the on the other side letting this stuff eventually bounce off you and believing that you can control your destiny to a much higher degree than you ever thought i want them to know that so i want to influence as many people as possible that's you know if i make good money doing this great you know i've already made good money i've already bought everything i need and some of it has been unused right <laughs> uh and i stopped buying fast cars because i 
and I stopped getting speeding tickets. There was there's a correlation there. I don't know if it's causation, but very close, very close <laughs> yeah. to causation. There's a correlation between driving a Porsche and getting speeding tickets, probably. <laughs> so uh, that's you know this is my passion to really, and I, I hope you can hear it in my voice. I'm I'm like so interested in getting this message out to people in as many ways as possible. So I want to do keynotes to business people or whatever audience, high school kids, I, high school and college, I would do for nothing because, you know, they're coming out of college. I want them to, to know what I didn't know coming out of college as I started to chase my career. I, I was so underconfident that I, that I undervalued myself everywhere. And that's the other thing that happens with underconfidence is the, the other under. When you undervalue yourself, when you say, oh, I don't I don't deserve to meet that guy, you know, or, uh, you know, he would never date me or I don't deserve that promotion. Uh, you're you got both feet on the brakes. Right. It's good to have one foot on the gas and a foot near the brakes, but you don't have both feet on the brakes for all these things in your life and undervaluing undervaluing yourself is just a terrible thing to do if you can break that if you can catch yourself doing it and saying why 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 am i why don't i belong here which is that again i belong everywhere and i am worthy of a great life Man, those, I, those are powerful things. I've got an introduction I need to make. A gentleman named uh, Tim Rhodes, he runs a, a group called One Life Fully Lived, and they do a lot of interaction and intervention with high schools dealing with this type of stuff, right? Like like teaching these people to live their best life ever. And then he has a very high price mastermind group for adults called GoBundance, um, where it's kind of the same theory. Like how, how do these men that are successful in business live life big in their, you know, in their families, uh, in their investment strategy, in their in their business, in their vacations, in their men's group. So the One Life Fully Lived has become kind of the nonprofit spinoff of GoBundance. And your message is, is just absolutely dialed in for that group of high school students are trying to help. So I'll make that introduction to Tim a little bit later. Um, you know, since you admitted to early in your life not being bold, I lo I'd love like a greatest hits list from Fred of, you know, pre-boldness, What's a big opportunity or an oh shit moment that you missed out on? And then post boldness, what's a great opportunity you gained by just putting yourself out there? If there's a if there's a Fred Fred Joyle uh, greatest hits list of missed opportunities pre bold and and opportunities you know secured post bold. Well, the, the missed opportunities is is borders on the encyclopedic. So it's <laughs> uh, uh, because I couldn't ask a girl out in high school and it was, it was challenging even in college. Um, I, I couldn't make a phone call. I, I had a job, I, you know, I was knocking around. I was very aimless in my twenties. And, uh, and so I was working in this machine shop and I'm working on the shop floor. I, I, I'm like devoid of skills. So I'm not, I'm pretty low on the totem pole, but the owner picks up that I'm fairly intelligent. And he says, I think you could sell for me. He says, come on into the, the, the upstairs to the office. He gives me a desk and he gives me a phone and he, he gives me a, a list of all these businesses. He says, start calling these businesses and see if they, if they need anything from us. Tell them, tell them what we do and see if they want to do business with us. I couldn't dial the phone, not one. I couldn't make one cold call back on the shop floor. 
that's where I went. And so, and, and that pained me. Like, it was like, holy crap, I actually can't dial this phone. And it, and it like burned at me, you know? Um, and so I said, like, I gotta, I gotta find a way to defeat this. And it took years and it took getting into the advertising world and going, I love this business so much. I love writing advertising and, and the creativity and the culture of an ad agency. Um, and one time, I mean, I was part of a very big ad agency. I was in the LA office, big agency. And the vice president and the CEO had come out to visit and meet everybody. And they were the kind of guys that when they, when they get in the elevator, nobody talked. And they actually mentioned this to me after, right? So uh, they they had a meeting with us earlier, the, the day before. They had a, a group meeting uh, and they and they talked about a, a bunch of stuff. And so they recognized me because they said, Fred is now working on the new bank client that we have. Um, and the CEO had mentioned that he always, he always gets food on his tie. He says, it's like, I have to bring like 10 ties with me or something like that. And so uh, we, they, the next morning I happened to get in the elevator with him and, and the president. So the CEO and the president are both there. Ele elevator has got, six or seven people in a dead silent right and they go hey how's it going i said it's going pretty good uh i was wondering what ted had for breakfast and i pulled his tie out and looked at it right and they just busted out laughing and it was just like a, and they never forgot me i i became this i was a junior copywriter at the time but because i was silly enough and i i loved the environment so much that i thought why not play the fool here for a minute and be do something? Nobody talks to them. It, actually, now now I talk to everybody in elevators wherever I go. That's actually another bold exercise. It's a completely harmless environment, right? Because it's brief, right? The people are going away, so say something to somebody. It's a it's a great exercise. But yeah, that was that was one of the moments. And of course, you know, I've I've met fabulous women over the years just because I decided to talk to them. Um, and I've met really successful people, uh, you know, uh, Mike Bloomberg, uh, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, um, Tony Shea from Zappos. Uh, I've, I've played chess with Richard Branson um, and uh, beat him the first game, which shocked the hell out of him. Because I I just play a really unorthodox game. I'm not like a chess master or anything like that. He was just couldn't figure out what the hell I was doing. Uh <laughs> And uh, and and he immediately set the board up again, and and then and we just got into this conversation because our politics were aligned, and and it became uh, this because I also I didn't interview him. I knew how to behave with him. People always come up to him and go like, "I have this great business idea. What do you think of it? Or do you, do you want to make it a virgin company? Or how did you do this?" And it's like. Stop interviewing the guy just because he's like, it doesn't need to do any, he doesn't need to make any money. He doesn't need any right. more ideas, right? He just, he wants to talk about stuff and he wants to laugh. He's a silly guy. He's incredibly playful. Um, and so we just had really good conversations and he would, I was on his island, Necker Island, uh, and he would come find me to play chess with him. 
because he, he wanted to rack up the wins. It's that the loss stung too much, right? But he also, he wanted to chat with me. And he would, he would bitch at me that I took way too long to move. He says, we need to play rapid chess. He says, we need to just like move, 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 move. He says, I love that. I said, yeah, I know, because you would destroy me. And, yeah, I know you want to do that. So, but it's, but I mean, the more I did this, the more I wanted to do it. And I've, I've been on stage in front of 5,000 people. I, I, I ended one performance by inviting people up to dance on stage with me. And I said, we're going to do it. I said, somebody's got to come up or you're going to watch me dance alone. It's not going to be pretty. Right. So uh, and gradually people I, I called a couple people out. I went, you you told me you were going to do this. Get up here. And I and I said to the the, the people, I said, you're going to be out there wishing you got up here because these 20 people are up here in front of all of you and they're going to get to see what it's like. But I, I and I started doing it at smaller lectures. There was one like Canadian Canadians were great for this. I did one in Canada where the only people not on stage were two people recording it with phones. 200 people on the stage. So we were waiting for the thing to collapse. And they're like just jumping around and everything. But it's like all you do something like that and you, and you bring out the playfulness and boldness in people. Right. They go like, why am I hesitating? Why? And, and I said, the you don't want to be one of the ones sitting down. You're going to sit there and go, I don't want to do that. But by the end of this, you're going to be beating yourself up because you're the only one sitting down. So I recommend coming up here. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's fascinating to watch the dynamic happen because somebody comes running up and then three people decide to come up and then five more then 10 more than 50. Uh, it's it's really great to watch. So I, I, I feel like I'm going to butcher this question. So, so play along for a minute. Um, I, I feel like I'm going to butcher this question and I want some free coaching for myself from somebody as intelligent as you. That's kind of had this life experience is, you know, we all know that person who's bold, but inauthentic, right? They're, they're trying to get bold to get to the point where they can have the chess game with Richard Branson. Um, but really what they're trying to do is they're trying to sleazeball their way into a conversation with Richard Branson because they want to pitch him a business idea. So I feel like that's one extreme of boldness. And then some criticism I've gotten from my coach and my wife is that, hey, Scott, you're a pretty bold guy. You put yourself in these situations. You build these deep, authentic relationships with no agenda. But once in a while, it's okay for you to ask like, hey, you know, I've really given freely to this relationship or I've made some introductions or whatever. You know, I feel a little bit like uh, Bill Murray in uh, Caddyshack, like it's the 18th green. How about a little something for the effort? So, yeah, you know, for the effort. Yeah, yeah. There, there's there's those two, you know, those those two extreme sides of the aisle where it's like you're bold, but in my opinion, you're kind of sleazy and you're trying to have these usury relationships and then on the other side of the aisle, which I lean closer to, it's like, you're bold, you're doing these things, you're connecting people, but you never really ask for the favor back to be like, hey, you know, I, I'd like to share a stage with you and uh, and do a keynote someday or something like that. So maybe you can just talk a little bit about that of like those levels of boldness, maybe something I need to do better to where I'm still feeling like the authentic me. And then what do we do with some of those people that are bold, but it's like, I see what you're doing. There's like a usury situation going on here. So I don't know if I phrased that question well at all, but maybe you can run. Yeah, well, it's two said. questions. And, I, and, I, and I, I really like talking about both of them because people go like this, these bold people, all they do is they're getting over on people and taking advantage of them and, you know, cutting in line and doing all that stuff. And it's like, I'm talking about 
boldness with integrity. This is not to get uh, uh, over people or around people or on top of people and take advantage of them. But the reality is, you you if you are a person of integrity, you will not become bold and sacrifice your integrity. It's just like when they say, you know, the, a lot of these rich people are total assholes. It's like, hey, they were assholes when they were broke. Okay, <laughs> that's the difference. They they didn't become assholes because of the money. I know some of the nicest guys I know have buckets of money. Have have. A hundred times the money, a thousand times the money that I have. Tony Shea, who who was the CEO of Zappos, almost no nicer guy than that guy. Um, but it's it's this thing that that some some pe- there's going to be bad players out there. Hey, it takes boldness to be a cat burglar, right, <laughs> or something right, like right. that, or you know, to have a life of crime takes a certain yeah. degree of boldness. I am not subscribing to that or recommending that I'm, 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 you know, be bold to, to make people feel better around you and also have a better life, like lift everybody up, come from abundance and, and bring that to everything. And that's what, what you're holding yourself back on is a little bit of this undervaluing. Scott is undervaluing himself because he's decided he can't make the ask. There's nothing embarrassing about the ask or uh, inhibiting or uh, disrespectful or any any of those things are all decisions you've made that aren't accurate. If you ask me to help you out in a, in a, in a way, say, look, you know what you could do for me, which is, which you don't have to do, but it, it would really help me is I am trying to meet Richard Branson. Right. It would be really helpful for me if you, I could have him as a guest on the show. And, and I will say, I understand. I can't help you. Right. Because I don't have that kind of relationship with him. I don't have that kind of pipeline. But who else? Who else would be interesting to you that I might know? And and, and, and th- th- there's nothing wrong with doing that. You, 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 you did. It's a swing and a miss or it's a swing and a hit. And, or, there, or, or you'll go like. Geez, I, I, how the heck did you get to meet uh, Bloomberg? I would, how, how did that happen? I would love to, I'd love 10 minutes with him. That would be fascinating. I'll, and I would say, I can make that happen. You know, uh, we'll, we'll figure out a time. You know, we'll, I'll, 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 you know, we'll be in New York sometime. We'll grab coffee with him. We'll do that. So uh, it's, and people who are successful appreciate somebody who, who, politely asks without the ex without uh like that oh like without creating an obligation to do it you say right. look i i understand you're a busy guy and, and you may never get to do it or you don't have that kind of relationship or or even it's not what you do yeah um but you know i'll give you another a, a great boldness example that that was life-changing for some some young girls was um uh, my former girlfriend, her two daughters, they were twins at, at 11, 12, 13 years old. All they did was watch Friends. They had watched every episode of Friends. Um, and so uh, I happened to have known Lisa Kudrow for, from some time ago. And I, I still had her, her phone number. And so I said, Lisa, it would be really great if you 
made a little. I said, I, I this is what I said. I said, they're coming to LA. It would blow their mind if you just showed up in this restaurant where we were and you just came in and said hi. And she said, you know what? She says, I'm out of town that week, but let me make a video for their birthday. And she records it and says their names in the video. You should have seen their faces when they watched this video, right? Because I, I made the ask of her. I, I made the over ask, right? To like, I want you to meet these guys, right? And and uh, and she went, I can't do that, but I could do this, right? And uh, and she actually misrecorded it the first time, and and she she said it like I was their dad. And I went like, and I wrote back and went, I was so excited to get the video and I watched it and I went like, oh shit, I got to ask her to do it again. <laughs> and she was like, oh, sorry, hold please. And she just re-recorded it. And it was, of course it was hilarious, but it's right. just like a treasure for these kids for the rest of their lives. And she didn't mind doing it. it took her a few minutes. Yeah. So yeah. that's, a, that's another moment of asking and, and saying, how do I how do I do this without demanding something or an expectation? And there's a way when you're relaxed inside and you say, I have a I have I'm valuable enough to ask this because they're just another human being after all. But I also have have to give them room to say no. I love it's that. a simple thing. But then you're not undervaluing yourself. Then you're saying, I belong in this place where I can ask somebody something like they're just another person. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because um, going back to myself, because that's the most interesting person I know, right? Um, like I, I always feel good enough to be in the setting, but I just don't feel comfortable to ask to be there. I'm like, oh, if somebody wants me here, they'll ask, they'll think of me, you know, they'll reciprocate some favor I've done for them. And you're just reminding me like, no, most people are spending most of the time thinking about themselves. It's okay to ask for them to think about you once in a while. That, that's the boldness that I know I'm missing in my life. Yeah, it's like you. If you say I, I want to get in in uh, metal, your men's group, just you ask, and I say, well, let's figure out how. Right, right. I I, I know I can do it. It's, it's, it doesn't cost me anything to do, and I know you'd be a great fit. So it's not even a challenge. But I'm not going to remember this next week, right? Right. <laughs> Unless I get an email from you that says, "Hey, how about uh, me guesting on metal?" Oh yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So, you know, knowing that you're a pretty bold person and you've accomplished probably a lot more than 20 year old version of yourself thought, um, what's, what's still on your bucket list? What are the things that you're still working on being bold on or the stage you're looking to get on? Uh, you know, what, the, the most exciting thing for me would be for this book to get translated into multiple languages, uh, you know, on a bucket list sort of approach, I would love to be doing a, a lecture in, in Paris about this or Rome or Singapore. Uh, and then I, and, and what I would like to do beyond this book is then narrow focus it and, and, and write different versions of it. Super bold for women, super bold for the college students, super bold for the high school student, super bold for Asians. Right. You know, go through go through different culture cultures even and, and do that, because, uh, you know, I'm being in the dental industry, you know, a lot of Asian dentists, they are the average dentist is pretty unbold. Right? It's pretty shy. A lot of the Asian guys, even more underconfident. And and part of it is 
they culturally they're 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 trained not to be intrusive and then they spend four years in dental school where the teachers spend their entire time beating them down and diminishing their self-esteem and they got to come out in the world and build a practice and interact with patients and attract patients and it's a challenge so and there's there's all sorts of professions like that there's all sorts of age groups and cultures that can benefit from this that that I may and I you know and I want to refine the exercises. I actually, talked with a friend of mine. I said, "Would you help me if I did Super Bowl with women? Would you co-author it with me? Because I want you to help me create a lot more of the exercises." So yeah. I, I'm immediately thinking about kids. Uh, I was in line yesterday for concessions at a movie theater. We were going to go see Spider Man, and my kids were with me. And uh, a lot of people were dressed up in cosplay. They were dressed up because it was release day yesterday for Spider-Man. Uh, so a lot of people were in uh, Marvel outfits and whatnot. And my son, uh, five years old, saw this very attractive girl that was dressed up as Captain America. And she had the shield and everything. And he's tapping me and he's like, Daddy, Daddy, can, can I touch that shield? I'm glad he has to touch the shield and not something else. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. You have to go ask her. It's her shield. And he's like, I don't want to ask her. And I'm like, well, buddy, you got, I use the word bold. I'm like, you got to be bold and go over to her in line. He's like, would you come with me? And I'm like, yeah, I'll go over there. I'll tap her, but you've got to ask her the question. So, you know, we walked over together and I, I'm, I'm already thinking of like, Hey, what are some exercises with my son? So that in the next year, He's equally as bold and doesn't need me to tap the girl on the shoulder. That he'll just walk over and be. And sure enough, yeah. she was. You know, she dressed up for a reason, right? She wanted right. to be. She's she in wanted a to be noticed. In a movie. Yeah, <laughs> and so she loved handing him the shield and showing my daughter the shield and talking about how you could be Wonder Woman and like she was all in. She was about ready to take my kids to the movies and I could have gone and had a beer. Um, <laughs> and I, and I'm just thinking like how important this message is for kids. You know, you mentioned the teenagers that have been locked down for two years and not seeing people and not being able to like exercise this bold muscle all the way down to my five-year-old. You know, one of the things I, I get the biggest kick out of is my three-year-old daughter love taking, she loves taking my credit card and running to the, to the, to the waiters area of the restaurant and paying the bill. She gets a kick out of that. Um, yep. And so, you know, getting kids to be more bald, like, man, what a great follow-up book after this one hits, you know, number one on the bestseller list. Yeah. And, and it's like, yeah, the super bold parent, which means you are teaching boldness from the start. And you have to, this is a lot of parents, what they do is they, my, that was my mom. My mom was really bold and she pushed me into, too deep into my discomfort zone. So it made me shyer, right? She was always like, oh, call so-and-so, right? And tell her I'm coming over. It's like, I don't know her. I don't like her. I don't want to call her. Right. You know, I'm like eight years old. Right. I'm not I don't. But my mom was like, why wouldn't you? Why would why is this a problem? She couldn't even relate to it. Right. <laughs> she, my mom was an insurance broker and then eventually sold real estate. And she was like the first female insurance broker in the state. You know, it's like she just she did stuff constantly. But she was always I, I, she pushed me too deep. She didn't control the dosage. So it would be it's such an, an essential thing to gauge your kid. And to do what, exactly what you did, because I talk about that in the book, too, is get a wing person. But the wing person, it's a gentle nudge. It's a, not a shove, but they're not doing it for you. Right. right? You can go, let, we'll stand here all day if you want, if you're, you know, and, and wait till you're willing to go over and talk to that person. Or or I'll walk up with you, but you're going to do the talking. I love you know, it. Um, you know, a friend of mine does that with his kid. It's like he's got a shy kid. 
So he, he says, when the waiter comes, you're going to look him in the eye and you're going to tell him what you want to eat. And the kid has to do it. He's, he's like, he's not going to do it for the kid. Right. But he's going to, it's like, you know, and then eventually you go, I want you to learn the waiter's name so that next time he comes back, you can say his name because that's a life skill. Right. To learn to, to, because that's what anxious people do instantly forget your name. Right. Because they're too busy worried about like, like, is is my shirt buttoned properly? Like, is my hair look funny? Should I trim my eyebrows today? Instead of remembering the damn name of the person they're talking to. And you want to remember it, use it, remember it the next time you see him. It's really, it makes an enormous difference. And when you start to do it, you, you know, and of course, what's the limiting belief? Oh, I'm, I'm terrible with names. Oh, yeah. Well, how about stop saying that to yourself as step one? <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Um, all right. I got a couple of closing questions that we always ask. Um, this, one's, this one's easy. Then we'll get into the harder ones. Uh, favorite movie and why? It's uh, Dead Poets Society. Oh, epic movie. Yeah. Because it's flawless. And it's every every frame of it is beautiful it's the and it's the best thing robin williams ever did in my mind um and it's such a powerful and poignant message about youth and and parents who are misguided and uh and teachers who who care enough to teach um life lessons you know uh and and the every, every, like i said every, every line every performance uh just anybody that i don't know anybody that i know that hasn't seen it i had a young friend of mine she was my my house sitter i said you haven't seen dead poets it's like we're we're watching that tonight and and this is a girl she's in her 20s and she just was like this movie is incredible yeah. Right. Uh, that's that's the other thing is it's just it's as good today as the day it was made. And, and that's and, not easy. And if you're not bawling in the last 10 minutes of that movie, I just you're a robot. You're, you're not you're yeah. not a human being if you're not just yeah. completely moved yeah. to the core in the last 10 minutes of that movie. Um, all right. That's 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 going to be a tough one to top. Um, I always like to ask, you know, what's the question I forgot to ask in this interview? What's the thing that every time you get off an interview or you get off a, a panel, you're like, man, I wish they would have asked that. I wish we could have gone into this part of my book. I wish I could have told this anecdotal story. So what's the question I forgot to ask over the last hour and a half? Uh, one of the things I teach in the book is how to make anyone you meet feel like they're the most important person in the room they're the most interesting person in the room. And it's a really simple process. Give it to us. Oh, oh no, no, I can't do that. Okay. Yeah. They got to buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can do it. I, I, I'm going to do, I'm going to do the, the, the high speed version of it. Perfect. Right? Because it's, 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 uh, uh, there's a, there's an acronym called the, it's the laser technique. Okay. Uh, and so it's, Listening, first step, you want to listen to that person, okay? And then focus only on them. Pay, pay attention only to them. This is what people, people when you meet somebody, listen to them, ask them questions. That's really the cornerstone of it. 
but don't let your attention wander. Now, the type of question is critical. Don't, like we were talking about with Chris Voss earlier before the interview, don't ask yes or no questions. Never ask a yes or no question. Ask an open-ended question. And then the next step, the critical step is when they answer, like what's the, and I, I have my go-to questions. Like what's the most interesting thing that's happened to you this week? What's the most interesting place you've been to this year? Um, and because they're going to be excited to tell you about it. And then after they do say, tell me more about why you like that restaurant so much in Rome. Tell me more. Don't jump in with your story. Keep asking questions. You could, you could talk to somebody for 20 minutes and never tell them anything about yourself. Just keep asking questions. They will walk away thinking you're the most interesting person they've met at the whole party. Totally. Because you are interested in them. And that's it's all you're doing. And, and by interested, you are locked onto them. Your, your eyes are not wandering around the room. And it's hard to do. It's a hard habit to break, especially Very. shy people have trouble making eye contact. But you want to make eye contact. And it's not about what you have to say. It's what a, what's about them. What's interesting about them. And you know what? There's always something interesting about somebody. The weirdest, strangest person in the room is interesting if you just dig deep enough. And then when you break away, don't, don't, don't let it trail off and go, all right, well, I'm going to go. You go. It was, it was, Scott, it was amazing to meet you. I, you know, I so loved how you approached the mortgage business. Um, it was really interesting to hear about that. There's a couple other people I want to meet, but I look forward to running into you again. That's when you break eye contact, not before. And then the next time you see them, remember them. Remember them and one thing about them. And I've watched people do this with 40 people in a room one at a time. Wow. And every one of those, and they never break away. They, they zero in on that person. And I've, I've, and I saw people doing it when I was really coming up in business and I met people who were like that. Uh, and I, and went like, and I started to analyze it and I went, they made me feel like I was the only person there. And they, and then they would walk away and do it again. And I thought, wow, they can, they can, it, it just happens. Right. I don't, and I don't feel cheated because I got, I got the full them. And that's really what you're doing. Giving somebody your full attention. Yeah. That's so. amazing. I, I, I love that. Uh, I have another friend I'm going to introduce you to. He runs a dad's mastermind group where this conversation is just super relevant for his podcast called front row dads and, and making, you know, making bold children. You guys would have a fascinating conversation. And John told me several years ago that he committed to never asking the question, how are you doing? Because everybody says, how are you doing? How's your day going? So now, John, every time you see somebody, he's like, hey, what's the most exciting thing that's going on in your life right now? And and the the quality of conversations that has stemmed from just changing that throwaway line, hey, how you doing? Like, he'll just stop in the middle of the street and be like, hey, man, I, I saw you made eye contact. What, what, what's the most exciting thing going on in your world right now? And sure enough, everybody wants to tell a story about what's exciting in their world. And then he finds podcast guests and he makes great relationships and he can introduce this person to that person to this person because it turns out they're both going to, you know, climb Mount Rainier next year together. And I'm just like, this guy is a world-class connector because he's just changed the quality of that upfront question. Yep. Amazing. It is. It's really that simple because... 
how you doing basically says I'm saying hi. Right. 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 So that's, that's not, there's nowhere to go with that. Uh, And also I, there's two things I warn people about, which is playing top this in a conversation, which has two dimensions. Like if I, if somebody, if you said, I just get back from Rome, it was fantastic. You know, I've never been there. and I, I saw all of the ruins and stuff like that blew my mind. And instead of saying, Tell me more about it. like what did you how much gelato gelato did you eat? You know, instead of say, tell me more about the food you had or, or you know, you know, who is the most interesting place you, you know, person you met or whatever. I go, I was in Rome five years ago. I saw the Rolling Stones. I met backstage when met Mick Jagger and Keith and, and we all went drinking after. And it's you're playing top this because right. the person that like suddenly their their Rome visit is boring. Right. Right. And they like. So don't do it. Don't ever do that. Right. Um, be more interested in them. Don't don't. And, and don't correct anybody. This is the other thing. This is the know-it-all reflex. It's like, no, no, I, I know, I know that you're wrong. Let me, you didn't pronounce that word right. That statistic was wrong. Oh, so such and such a business sold for 1.2 billion. You go, no, no, it was 1.5. Right. 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 Shut the hell up. Right. Why, why, why is it so important to know more than that person? And, And do you think they like you more because of that? Has that ever happened to you that when somebody corrected you, you went, I just love the way they corrected me. It was just, it was fabulous because yeah. it was so important to the conversation that they jumped <laughs> in and corrected me. Right. As I'm trying to tell a story that about and the minor fact had to be fixed before we could proceed because right. they knew more than me. Most people How exciting for them. Most people are subconsciously calling that guy an asshole or maybe consciously they're calling that guy an asshole. Cause you just they're certainly saying it to other people for right? sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is monologuing is like, just like, and a lot of shy people do this when they finally get somebody to talk to them, they talk in an unbroken stream for five minutes straight. Right. Cause if they're like, they're not shy, they just act shy and somebody open the floodgates on them. So they're like, blah, 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 blah. And then this, like, yeah, I was in Rome and I was, I was like, and I had five flavors of gelato. And then I, I fell asleep on the park bench and, and the policeman arrested me. And, and it's like, slow down, right? You're, you're, you're not interesting. If you're monologuing, the second you catch yourself doing that, stop and ask a question. You go, I'm really excited about this, obviously, but you know, What's, what's your favorite city in Europe? Just, and they go, oh, she's self-conscious enough to stop, <laughs> right? And, and you, you just go, I'm really passionate about that. So that's why I'm going off on this. But tell me more about, you know, wh- when you've been, been in Europe, what, you know, what, what, what interesting happened to you there? All of a sudden, there's an exchange. All of a sudden, you're an interested person. Amazing. So really key. Um, so... Uh, those are, those are, those are the, the keys to that tech, that t- technique, which I go into more detail in the book on how to do it. I, and I talk about things not to do in communication and, and things to do po- what I call power tools and then what not to do. And so a lot of it is also, you know, how to make, be more effective at human interaction at, and, and when you're bold and confident, now you can do this easily, but you're also, you're not making these classic mistakes, like forgetting somebody's name. Right. So 
Right. And obviously people can find you on Amazon, Super Bowl, Kindle, all that type of fun stuff. How do you want people to interact with you if they're watching this and they, you know, they've got to get on your mailing list or your, your social media? What's the easiest way to get in touch with Fred and keep in touch with Fred? Uh, Fredjoyle.com. Perfect. Uh, you can, uh, and obviously, the, as you said, the books are in, on Amazon. It's Kindle. It's Audible. It's me reading the book. And you can, if you're reading a digital version, you can go to fredjoyle.com and download a PDF of the exercises in the journal format that you're going to be working with. So, because it's about, again, it's about taking action. It's not a book to just read and go, oh, that was some great insight and never do a damn thing, right? right. This is about building your boldness muscle so that you can, so you never, so you don't have a life of regrets. That's what it's about. I love I love books that force you to take action. So I'm a I'm a I'm a fan, and I will also be a customer. Um, and then last question, you know, as we look into 2022, things seem to be getting somewhat back to normal after the craziness of the last two years. You know, a lot of stuff has calmed down. A lot of stuff is still crazy. What do, What are you most looking forward to in 2022? This is either you know something that that you've already got in the calendar, you're fired up with, or just some level of normality to get back to. What What are you looking forward to in 2022? What I'm most excited about is I'm going to put together a two-day Super Bold workshop where I'll really, it'll be highly interactive and I really put people through their paces and and accelerate the process for them so that they come away like really infused with the pride method and how they can implement it and that they've, I've sent them out into the street or they're up on stage or in their room doing this stuff, you know? Uh, and acknowledging where they are on, on the, the shyness spectrum and say, I, I want to work from here to here. I say, all right, well, that's what we're going to get you faster. But in 90 days, you're going to be here. And it's like, but you're all going to commit to everyday action and, and after this. The, I, I really want to do that and see how, how much I can do with people in two days. That's, um, that's permanent. Because, you know, I, we've all been to stuff. I mean, I love Tony Robbins. I love going to his events. But it, it, it just it's almost like vapor, right? You know, it, it disappears in a few months and, and you remember maybe two or three things from it. I want your behavior to change so that you are seizing opportunities. You're not missing out on times when you wanted to speak up or you need to speak up and, and, and or you need to stand up for somebody or you need to eulogize somebody and, and I don't want you to say oh I'm not I don't like to speak in front of people so I'm, I'm not gonna I don't want to speak at the funeral it's like you don't want to miss that, that opportunity I'm sorry you only get one shot and, that, and life's full of these one moments that you don't want to miss that's the way to close a podcast man let me know when the Super Bowl workshop is going on I will uh, send that out to our email list because I think your stuff is so valuable and uh, we'll talk to you soon Fred looking forward to having you back on the show in a couple months Thanks, Scott. It's been great. Talk soon.